Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, coming to you. Well, right now we're in Charleston, South Carolina. By the time you hear this, I'll probably be a little further north near the Chesapeake Bay. Um, but that's nothing compared to the distance I'm talking to my special guest this week. Her name is Barbara Turley, and she is the founder and CEO of the Virtual Hub. And she is calling in from France. So pretty amazing technology. <laughs> anyway, as I said, Barbara Turley, she's an investor, an entrepreneur, and founder and CEO of The Virtual Hub, a business she started by accident that exploded in the space of about 12 months to become one of the leading companies that recruits, trains, and manages virtual assistants or VAs, a subject that um, near and dear to my heart has helped me grow my amazing business all through VAs. And uh, with a strong focus on customized training and ongoing career development, Barbara ensures that her team is trained in cutting edge programs like HubSpot, Entreport, et cetera, to meet their clients' unique needs in digital marketing, social media, personal assistance services, and administrative support. As I said, she's calling in from France. Barbara, how are you doing today? I'm great, James. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, James, I, I don't know how to fix my Zoom. It says James. I go by Jim. So. Oh, and I was thinking as I said it, I was like, I was sure it was Jim. No, that's okay. <laughs> I've been called a lot worse. So I, I'll answer to anything. Mr. Palmer. We'll call you Mr. Palmer. Oh, no, no. Just call me Captain. No, seriously. Just, oh, yeah, call, just call me Jim. Um, so I love the topic. So when... Um, when I saw your um, information come across my desk, I said, I want her because I love the whole topic of virtual assistance, et cetera. But I'm in my eighth year now of doing the Dream Business podcast. And um, one of the things I know I hear a lot from our listeners is they love the backstory and the whole entrepreneurial journey and the challenges and wins and losses in addition to whatever the expert topic is. So before we dive into the whole topic of, you know, getting yourself the help you need, talk a little bit about your journey, Barbara. Were you an entrepreneur at heart? Did you have parents who were entrepreneurs or grandparents or did you go get a big expensive degree at a university and then go off and start your own business? What did that look like for you? Yeah, look, it's funny, you know, I mean, I definitely was not the person uh, with the lemonade stand as a kid. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I had no interest in entrepreneurial anything. My dad uh, did run, I mean, does run his own business. He still does. He's a quantity severe and he's run his own practice for my whole life. So I always knew that he worked for himself, but you know, I wouldn't, he wasn't like a crazy entrepreneur. And I mean, all, I, all I ever wanted to do was be in the corporate world. And I did spend 15 years in the financial markets um, in high finance. Really. I was in the trading floors, stock exchange, you know, loved it. I, I went into a sales role and I spent the majority of my career doing that. But I can remember when I hit about 29, you know, and I was, you know, work hard, play hard and all of that, having a great time. But I remember one moment thinking, I'm not sure I see a future in this as a female. And I mean, mm. you know, other women listening might, this might resonate with them. I really didn't want to be a corporate mom. 
that was kind of the thing that came into my head. And I didn't really want to tie myself into the corporate world, even though I loved it. I just didn't see the future for myself personally there. And that, then I started thinking about, you know, what on earth was I going to do? And it was actually fortuitous on a flight coming back. I was in living in Australia at the time. I lived in Australia for almost 20 years and absolutely loved it. Um, and I was on a flight coming back from Brisbane to Sydney for work. And I saw this tiny ad in the back of the flight magazine that was for um, a little website called Blog Blog Mastermind or, oh no, it was called Entrepreneur's Journey. That was it. Mm. And I've subsequently ended up coming, becoming very good friends actually with the founder of that. But I started looking at that website. There was a, 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 um, a, someone who was writing basically about his entrepreneurial journey, how he started off blogging. And it was all about content marketing, really, and information products. And that was what started to whet my appetite about, I wonder, could I do something online? And I guess that was the start of it, but it, it's never linear. I mean, that's not, I didn't just leave my job and, and then everything was rosy. Um, I, I think one of the big things that happened though, and this is the power of the universe, I guess. You put something out there, something like this happens, it gets your mind thinking. And then lo and behold, the financial crisis hit in 2008. And I was planning to leave my job around that time uh, and think about my own entrepreneurial journey. I had no plan. I didn't know what on earth business I was going to do. Uh, and then the financial crisis forced me into a situation where, you know, financial industry went into meltdown. I yep. found myself without a job. Um I uh, did go traveling and blew up a load of money. That's a whole other story. I went and did a ski season in New Zealand and went all around Australia <laughs> traveling. And all so you're still playing hard, even though you weren't working <laughs> yeah. hard at that point. So by the end of it, I was like, oh, oopsie. Um, kind of in a bit of a pickle here. Probably shouldn't start my own business. But a very interesting thing happened. I took a job uh, at Deutsche Asset Management in Australia. And it was kind of a, it was a maternity leave contract that was sort of, Look, it was like going from driving a Ferrari to driving a scooter. That's the only mm -hmm. way I can kind of describe it in terms of my career. But I took it and a crazy thing happened. I met this really entrepreneurial bunch of people who uh, one was the CEO of Deutsche at the time, asset management in Australia. And Deutsche decided to to sell off. So, well, they were there was some assets up for sale, basically. And we, I got a chance to be involved in a sort of management buyout of a portion of the business. And I can remember being asked, was I interested by the CEO who I'd become friends with at the time? And I remember thinking, I just raised my hand and said, absolutely, I am. I didn't think about how I was going to pay for it. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just remember going, I'll have a bit of that, please. Um, and in the end, to cut a long story short, I ended up doing sweat equity in a startup sort of company that I'm still involved in today. It's 10 years later now, and it has gone on, you know, the, the company's managing upward of about 20 billion Australian dollars now. It's an asset management company. And it just, it, it was a chance. I, I remember starting it up and it was, it was really difficult in those early years, but I learned so much about building scalable companies and how, you know, sales and distribution and all of this sort of stuff ties together to build a powerhouse company. Um, and, and really that whetted my appetite. I did it for five years and then eventually I went on to move out and do my own thing while staying as a shareholder and, and, um, and part of that company, which I still am today. So, so here I am. Well, <laughs> and did you, journey. yeah. Now, Barbara, did you, um, 
So a lot of people that uh, I talk to, they're they're if I throw out the term VA, even today, well, what's a VA? Were you familiar with virtual like 1099 contractors, virtual assistants, or did you discover that? Yeah. How did that come about? <laughs> Look, I'd never even been to the Philippines when I started this business. I mean, this is like a crazy backstory. Um, look, I, you know, I remember, I don't even know where I saw the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. I think I picked it up. Uh, I think I was going to Bali on holiday and I saw it in the airport and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. 4-Hour Workweek, Tim Ferriss's book. Yeah, who doesn't want on, that? <laughs> yeah, I read it on holiday and was like, oh, this VA thing. Wow, that, that's, uh, that makes total sense to me. So at this stage, I was starting to think about leaving corporate and, and you know, the, the whole thing and starting my own business. And I actually started out, as many of us do, leaving corporate in a consulting sort of business coachy type role. Uh, and I was helping some small businesses to to get their their act together, basically, and try and grow. Um, and I thought, I'm going to get myself one of these VAs. So, of course, I jumped online. Um, I did get lucky. I got a home run on my first one or two. Um there were some teething issues, but uh, I did okay on the first ones that I got myself. Um, and then I noticed the clients that I was coaching, they all, it didn't matter what industry they were in or whether they were online, offline, brick and mortar, whatever, it didn't matter, product or service. They all had the same problem fundamentally. And that was that if they didn't hire staff, they were never going to be able to grow. And if they didn't grow, they were never going to be able to hire staff. So they were in that crevice that that is very difficult it's very easy slide into and very difficult to get out of in in business if you don't learn to delegate and you don't you don't manage this whole thing so because they couldn't afford to hire staff locally i was like well we've got to get some of these vas you know offshore um and essentially i you know my va a few of her friends i got them jobs with some clients and before i knew it i was getting asked for for can you get me one of those VAs more than I was getting asked for business coaching and there was a pivotal moment that I clearly remember I was in Byron Bay in Australia anyone who's been to Australia amazing amazing sort of holiday location my brother was there and he'd come from Ireland on holiday with his family and I remember saying to him do you reckon there's a business in this and he said well I don't know but your phone hasn't stopped ringing all week and that was the start of it no business plan Nothing. I just did a webinar out to a small list of people I had built up at that point and offered to a service, which was, you know, do you want me to get you on? And I, I'll manage them for you. I'll train them. Uh, and I got flooded with demand. And it, that's what I mean about it being accidental. I didn't really intend to start this business. There was no thought process behind it. I just put an offer out and solved a problem. And that was the beginnings of it. Wow. It's it's interesting because I've interviewed so many people and it's like some of the greatest success stories start out as accidents or like you trip over a stone and wait, hey, that's interesting, you know, and, um, you know, yeah. uh, by the way, I love what you said. Like, um, you know, one of the chapters in my book, as I was telling you before we went live, is called Delegate, Learn to Delegate or Stay Small Forever. And I think that's such a challenge for small yeah. business owners who think, well, you know, because I remember my own mindset way, way back. And I've been I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years, but early on, I'm like, well, I can do it cheaper, faster and better than anybody. So why would I hire somebody else? I might as well just keep the money myself. Little did I know oh. <laughs> every hour I was doing $10 an hour work instead of $400 an hour work. Um, and it was yeah. costing. So no. it was a big or shift. Die. Delegate I, I or die. It's really, yeah. yeah. It's um, very difficult to get people's mindset around it in the early days. 
So uh, let's talk about the virtual hubs. You got this company and you've grown it pretty large in a short period of time. Do you have uh, teams of VAs, like each one with different skill sets? And does somebody come to you and you marry them up with somebody or do you just recommend them or like, how does that work? Yeah, look, so, I mean, the business started out very, like I said, quite messy. Uh, The first year was sort of like, I mean, you know, we're here to talk about the the successes as well as the failures. I can tell you the first year was a disaster. Like, although it took off, and the demand was there, you know, I very rapidly realized that, yes, people need to delegate, but the majority of people have no idea how to delegate. It doesn't like just getting the person doesn't solve the problem. So, of course, there's the problem of recruiting the right people. But then if you put the right people into the wrong structures, the wrong framework and the wrong mindset of of a business owner who has no idea how to delegate effectively, how to build processes, how to communicate and run teams and lead, disaster right so I sort of suffered all of that in 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 the early days and what I found was I had solved for this first problem which was people need staff and they needed cost effectively the second problem was oh no people need to learn how to delegate they need to be taught this and then the third problem kind of coincided with that which was these VAs sort of have a mishmash of experience and a bit of training that they kind of accidentally found on YouTube or they tried to do it themselves, but there's no formal, they're not being trained properly. And even if they know how to do some of the stuff and some of the tasks, they don't know how to manage the client. They don't know how to communicate. So the whole success rate is very low in the industry, surprisingly enough, because of those problems and not necessarily because of the people themselves, but everybody blames the people. So today, the virtual hub, from all of those problems, what's actually happened now is that we're more like a, we like to partner with our clients. We're not a recruiter. So we don't, you don't come to us and and give us a brief and then we go and recruit for you. We don't do anything like that. We actually recruit our own people. So we're continuously recruiting month on month on month. Um, our own people for our own supply. And then we know, well, we go out and sell it later, but we do, we have an intensive training program. So people have to come jump through a lot of hoops to even get a job with us. Then they have to go through our training program, which is quite intense. Um, Then they get onboarded into the operations teams and they often sit on the bench or they work on internal teams for a little while to give them, you know, give them some wheels. And then eventually um, we will start to present them to our clients to say, you know, um, you can meet some of our people. Who would you like to, which one would you like to work with? So it's not really a recruitment model. It's more like an, you know, a partnership type model. Um, and also all of our clients these days uh, are also getting a results coach and a client success manager. So it's like a pod structure that goes in and services a client account to make sure that you get a win-win-win for everyone including us as a company but also return on investment for the client and that model has been explosively successful because it's solving multiple problems at the same time within this one delegation game and then i also think barbara in the last year i mean it's all of us all of us on planet earth i think pretty much have experienced the whole covid situation where people are working at home so i know companies i have a friend of mine who's got a company with about 45 employees and he always resisted letting his employees work at home he wanted to be in control and see what they're doing and now he's like i'm thinking of selling his big place and just continuing this way was that somehow a boon or did that wake people up to the opportunity that well i don't have to be in an office with employees so to speak i can have people working remotely from anywhere 
Yes. I mean, you know, one of the big things is, you know, anyone who was resisting it before, well, now it's irrelevant where anybody is. Like, here's the thing, right? Next door, next state, next city, next country, doesn't it doesn't really matter. Like if somebody's in the next house to you, it's almost irrelevant whether they're the next house or the next country in some ways, because especially with the, the lockdowns, because you can't see people anyway. And that has caused people to shift their mindset quite quickly. Um, and now the next step, of course, is, you know, once you get their mindset right, then people are still trying to get their heads around, how do I make this work? But I think the last year has catapulted the digital transformation and, you know, using cloud-based technology and stuff we've been doing for years, but it, it we, we've had a huge surge in demand. Yeah. And, and digital has taken off as well. And that's the wheelhouse that we tend to play in which is more digital marketing implementation is kind of where we specialize. So those two things together have been um, really good for us. Now, having said that, though, we've had an explosion in demand, uh, but we also had our own challenges because we were office based in the Philippines. And overnight, we had to move something like 140 staff. At one stage at the height of it, we had to move 140 staff into work from home uh, set up and we had about two days to do it. And that sounds fine in the Western world, but for us, about 35% of them had no internet connections at home and no oh, wow. computers. No computers. Wow. <laughs> so that was hell. Like, I mean, the operational costs of doing it, thank God we had an explosion in demand because, you know, there was a lot of cost in that last year and a lot of stress of, of trying to move that many people. But we did it. We did it in two days. That's incredible. Mm. Um, one of the challenges I think people have, and myself included in what, what I call the early days, was there – Working with a virtual assistant, it's a 1099 contractor, not your employee. Um, and I know there's different tax laws, but we don't talk about that because our different countries are probably different. But um, assuming somebody is a 1099 contractor with your company, it means they're not an employee. And therefore, you can't necessarily tell them when to work, how to work, you know, because that makes yeah. them an employee. Is that well, I just asked you a specific question. I said I wouldn't, but do, is that similar in other countries? Like in even the mindset, Barbara, yes. does the, is the mindset one where you got to realize this is an independent business owner themselves. They just happen to be, you know, hiring themselves out to perform a service for a certain amount of money. Well, yes. So in the direct market, let's talk about the differences here. So, and this is important. If you go into the direct market and you're going to engage a VA a virtual, or anyone directly, even online, doesn't actually matter what their role is. If they're not going to be an employee of your company, then they're a contractor. And, and then there's rules around that. But for us at the Virtual Hub, we actually have a Philippines company and all of our team are all full-time employees of our local company. So they all have like top level private health cover, all of their benefits and everything is paid by us. And it's a full blown culture. And people who come to us, their contract is actually with our, uh, with our company. And therefore we have strict rules around what time people are working. We know when people are supposed to be showing up. We can, we can uh, do all of that on behalf of the client. Because mm. the client's contract, so there's no, your contract is actually with our company. It's not with any of our people. You know, very similar to hiring an employee, I think another challenge is when to bring on a virtual assistant or two or four or five, um, yeah. and then when to fire them, if, if that's the, even if that's the right terminology. But um, I'd love to hear your take on when to hire. When do you know it's, it's the right time to, to get some help? 
Yeah, usually people leave it too late. So let's just, uh, people, usually people go to hire someone when they are absolutely sinking themselves, right? That's too late. <laughs> like, let's be clear. If you're saying, I need someone yesterday, it's too late. You've left it too long. So, you know, in theory, it's easy for me to say that to plan ahead. But if you, I think what a lot of people are doing in business, and I'm sure you see this, they have a kind of a vision in their head, but they're not planning for that vision strategically enough. So if you know where you're planning to take the business now, obviously things like COVID can happen, you know, stuff comes from left field and you're never guaranteed it's going to go there. But if you're making a plan, people forget to plan the resourcing. So you're like, well, I want to do this many sales and we want to have all these products and so many people forget to think about how are you going to service all of that? And what they try and do is hire people when, when they're already flooded. Um, and people think that that's the most cost effective way to do it. Well, it's not because what's going to happen is you're going to have to slow down in order to speed up. So it's far better to try to plan ahead for the resourcing needs that you think might come and try to um, hire or like bring someone on before you get to that point where you're like, I just need, I'm desperate. I need somebody yesterday. And we hear this a lot. We actually tend to turn people away who are like that because we don't want to, you know, the whole onboarding process and, and making sure that we get success. We know the types of clients that we like to work with and we want people to come in and know that it's a partnership thing and that we need, we need them to, to get them ready. Um, some people are ready. Uh, so I hope that helps, you know, it's not a direct answer, but it's definitely people are leaving it way too late. Actually, I'll share a story with you. A few years ago, this is about five years ago, way back in the early days of this business. I can remember um, a friend of mine who's also a great business coach and helps me a lot in business. He, um, I was talking about who I wanted to hire next. And I was like, I think I need a salesperson. I think I need. And he said, hold on a sec. Why don't you do? I think I had 20 VAs at the time. And he said, I want you to do an org structure, an org chart for a hundred VAs and tell me what you need then. And it was the most powerful exercise hmm. I think I've done because when I drew it out, I was like, if we had a hundred VAs, oh wow, we would need six team leaders and we would need a head of HR. And all of a sudden it started to get me very super focused on the next five years or the next three years of resourcing to deliver my vision. And, and that's what I don't think people are doing right enough. What, you know, one of the reasons, um, not one of the reasons, what, when somebody asked me, when's the right time? I said, I think it's like when you're out hiking or exercising in some way and, you're, and your mouth is dry, you feel thirsty, you should have been drinking already. Yeah. <laughs> that's too late. So if the book that you've, if, if the book that you're going to write and you know is going to help your business has been on your to-do list for three months or six months or a year, it's way too late. You got to stop doing the um, the menial task, or not even menial. You got to you got to do the big work that's going to bring in the big money. So, I think people do wait way too oh, long. Do you want to know when I hired my first virtual assistant? Yes, I hired one just as I was starting to do my own business. I did it straight away, and I didn't mess around with. I'd like someone for three hours a week. I was like forty hours a week, full time with me. Let's do it. Wow. Yeah, I went straight. Now, I mean, I went to the Philippines, though. I went cost effective. I knew I could do it. And I found that yet yeah, people are investing enormous amounts of money in coaching programs, in 
in, in, in other courses that they never do or whatever. And it is very important to have coaches and, and all of that stuff, but it's also very important to have people who can do some of the doing for you so that you can get on with doing the business end of it and not get caught up doing Canva images for social media or answering the phone or whatever else it is that you're doing that can be done from offshore. Is the Philippines kind of like the the new uh, capital hub for VA businesses? I mean, I talked to a lot of people who say, oh, the, you get great service and work and the, the rates are great. Is, is that true for, for, well, I guess it is for your business as well. Is that where yeah, most of your VAs? We're Philippines based. I mean, there's a, you know, it was accidental in the beginning, uh, but I've been asked many times over the years, why the Philippines? And apart from the fact that I accidentally found myself there in the first place, and then I started a business there. Um, but these days, you know, I know that the, the, the level of English is great. Now, is it great across everyone? No, there's 100 million people in the country, you know, uh, 90 million of them might not speak great English, but the rest of them, you know, there's a, there's a high percentage of people that speak amazingly good English. So, so that's brilliant. They're very highly educated. There's a great education system there. And they're probably, I feel the Philippines is probably the closest to the Western culture that you're going to get from Asia in general. Mm. For me, anyway, I, I, they're, they're, they're great fun. <laughs> they're great fun. Yeah. Um, are there any apps that you would suggest if somebody's going to be working with a team uh, in, and let's say they're not working with a company like yours, they just want to kind of do it on their own. What kind of apps should they be looking at? Yeah, the number one is something like Asana or Trello, free project management tool. Don't try to run teams using email. If people try this and it just doesn't work, you need to have a project management or a task management system where your team can all collaborate on, on tasks together. And I mean, pairing that with something like, uh, you know, G Suite or whatever Google call it these days, Workspace or whatever they're calling it. So cloud-based um, systems, and then pair all of that up with something like LastPass for password security. And those are the kind of the key, the key things that you need. It seems like um, working with virtual assistants, that's kind of like the new lean, mean way to run a business, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's very cost effective and it's highly leverageable. It's just that people think, you know, and, and we talked about this off air. I think the problem is that people think if I just get myself a VA, my whole business is going to boom. And that's just completely flawed thinking. I mean, you know, it is part of your strategy, but you've got to get delegation right and you've got to get scaling right. Uh, and then you've got to get systems and processes right. And then you can bring in cost-effective people to run it. And that's what VAs are there for. Most, I see too many people thinking, I'll get a VA and then they're expecting them to be a strategist or to tell them what they need to do in their business. And I'm like, this is a virtual assistant. This is not a strategist or a project manager, or, you know, it's an assistant coming in to help you to run your systems, run your processes, but not necessarily to develop them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a mistake people are making every day, constantly. This is not your vice president of human resources, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, so that's what people want, though. They're like, uh, you know, so they just, you just got to be, you just got to manage your expectations around what you're, these people, you know, people, they need to be, uh, they need leadership. 
they need somebody to be the conductor of the orchestra, if you know what I mean, to know what's yes, going on. Yes, exactly. Well, I got about two minutes left, Barb. I want to squeeze in another question. What would be one or two reasons why somebody who now is going to go and, and embark on this journey of working with a virtual assistant, why, what are a couple of reasons they're likely to fail and how would you advise them to not fail or to fix it? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, there's a number of them, but the, I think the, the top two, Number one is mindset. And we touched on that earlier. You must go in with the mindset that this, I have to master this and that there's an accountability on your part also to master delegation. Now, obviously you might get a rubbish person, but if you can master the delegation thing and you put your mind into that, that you're going to master this, that's step one. Um, And then key is processes you need to have a machine at the end of the day a lot of people want to they have a vision they want to create this amazing business but they forget that a business is a machine at the end of the day and you know you need to be committed to building it as a machine that is efficient and effective and therefore can help you to deliver on your vision and that's the bit people kind of brush over because it's kind of boring very good. Well, what a what a fun. I always when, when my interviews, I look up and I go, oh, man, I only got two minutes. I know it's a great. interview, yeah. So I know my my audience is loving this and they're going to want to learn more about the virtual hub. So how can they connect with you and, and learn more about what you do? Sure. So we actually have a special page for you guys. Oh. Uh, yep. We've got some goodies on there. So if you go to thevirtualhub.com don't forget the the thevirtualhub.com forward slash dbr not sure why they picked that oh dream Dream business radio Radio. (laughs) why is that okay yes of course dbr for dream business radio on there you can download a mini guide don't even even need to sign up for it you can just download five reasons people fail with vas and how to fix it there is a scalable um, business success formula e-course that you can sign up for there. And also you can book a call with us if you um, want to talk about how we might be able to help you in your business. Wonderful. Uh, if, you want, if you want to follow me personally, you can jump over to LinkedIn. I'm not on there that much, but I do I do keep telling myself I'm going to share more over there. So. <laughs> I know. I have such a love-hate relationship or hate-love-hate yeah. relationship with LinkedIn. I just... Yeah, I'm not uh, uh, well, well, what a what a fun interview, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Barbara Turley from The Virtual Hub. And she has a special link set up for you. Go to The Virtual Hub, T-H-E, Virtual Hub, H-U-B.com, forward slash DBR for Dream Business Radio. And you get a, uh, a nice download. You don't even have to opt in, it sounds like. So that would be awesome. Thank you, Barbara. My name is Captain Jim Palmer. I am the Dream Business Coach. If you're connected with me here only on the podcast, you can fix that by going to getjimpalmer.com, www.getjimpalmer.com. If interested in my dream business mastermind that is dream biz coaching dream b-i-z coaching.com but until this time next week another fantastic interview you take good care now it's time to go implement what you've learned great ideas are nice but results only happen through action and implementation so stay focused kick all distractions to the curb sleep a little less if you have to and create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle to learn about building your dream business join jim's free dream business facebook community at dreambizgroup.com that's dreambizgroup.com see you next week for more dream business radio